This is the Books Podcast presented by Tim Hague. I am holding in my hand a book called Why There Is No God, and I like a declamatory title. <laughs> the author, Armin Navabi, is joining me via Skype from Vancouver. Armin, uh, thank you for talking to me. Tell me, what's your book about? <laughs> well, <laughs> the book, um, well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, the, well, the book title explains itself, but uh, I just want to be clear. A lot of people have a problem with the title. As a lot of atheists have a problem with the title because they uh, say you can't never make a positive claim that there is no God. It's just that we don't believe in God until there's no, uh, until there's an, we have evidence for it that there is a God. So in the introduction of the book, I mentioned that we don't treat um, other things like that. When, when, when we talk about Santa, for example, we don't go and say like, you know, there's probably no Santa. We don't say like, you know, there's probably no flying spaghetti monster. As when we, when we degree a certain level of certainty about something, when the pos- probability of it becomes very low, we just treat them as certain. We, for the sake of practic- practicality, practicality, we just say like, you know, um, there's no Santa. There's Peter Pan is just a story, right? We don't. If we had to assign probability to everything, we will. It will make communication very difficult. But even if you just go, even if you don't read the introduction, if you just read the subtitle of the book, you could see that the book is not making a positive claim. Just because right in the subtitle, you could see that it's saying that we are just refuting the arguments made for the existence of God. We're not uh, providing any proof for the non-existence of God. We're just going through the most common arguments people make for the existence of God and basically explaining why they don't, um, they're not good arguments. That's what, you, what you've done is you've you, you, uh, jumped straight there into the nature of the book. Yes. And what it is is uh, 20 chapters dealing uh, in each case with one or the other uh, arguments that people commonly bring up and say, oh, but there must be a God because of so and so. And then you, you offer a, a, a brief refutation. Exactly. This is how you've done it. Who, who is this book for? Because it, it's not a very long book. It's, it's commendably short, actually. And you're dealing with 20 fairly abstruse and, and complex questions. Who, who is it aimed at? Uh, it's short and it's actually very as simple as I could possibly make it. And it's, it's the, when I was writing it, the uh, people I had in mind was somebody that has very limited uh, background in reading about arguments for or against about God, maybe somebody that just wants to get to the point, somebody that doesn't want to deal with too much philosophy, maybe not to begin with, but it's, it's meant to be an introduction for somebody that is just getting started and thinking about this. For every chapter, for every topic, I do uh, provide uh, resources for people that want to uh, think about each one of the issues in, in much more detail. And, and additional reading and, and things, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let, let's put our cards on the table. You are an atheist. Yes. Uh, what, what's your backstory? Because I, I think uh, I'm right in saying you're, you're a Persian, aren't you? You're, you're originally from Iran. Yes. And you were brought up a Muslim. Yes. So you've made a journey. How did that happen? Um, well, I was I was um, I was raised in a very liberal family. My parents would call themselves Muslims, but they didn't really practice Islam much. But I I did. Um, my school had a lot of influence on me, and by my uh, teen years, I became very religious. Um, 
I annoyed my parents a lot because I kept on trying to convince them to become true Muslims. But then by the nature of becoming very serious about my religion and studying Islam, I kept on seeing things that were, um, you know, questionable to me. I couldn't understand. I couldn't, the main thing, the main problem I had was why would God uh, send people to hell simply for not being Muslim, right? Especially when a lot of people were born in non-Islamic countries. For me, it seemed like that their, their, their chances of becoming Muslim seemed a lot lower than people that were born in Islamic countries. I think you've so, probably got a point. Yeah. And it seems it's, it's, it's eccentric behavior for a, a holy benevolent God, you thought. Yeah, I thought like it seems like my chances of being having eternal pleasure or eternal torture shouldn't be dependent on where I'm born, right? Like it seems more like a lottery than justice. Um, so I, I just I kept on arguing with my religious teachers about it, and 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 I didn't get a good answer. And so to me, it can't. It must. Have, it must be just. Like God could not be anything other than kind and just. So. To me, it seemed like there must be something so inherently wrong with these other religions that makes them so evil. Like, why would why would anybody deserve to burn forever and ever just for coming up with the wrong conclusion? Like, I mean, we have our our brains are not perfect. We are bound to make mistakes. So I didn't understand it. So I I tried to study like other religions and even dead religions and. When I studied religion, it seemed like the history of religion, to me, it started to look like um, it, it, there was a like progression, like religions were made from other religions, and it seemed like there's a... It, it kept on looking as if it might, this thing might be a man-made concept, the more... <laughs> <laughs> but that, uh, that, well, I can, I can see how you would have thought that, but... Leaving Islam is a is a big deal. I mean, a, a, a militant Islam provides the death penalty for apostasy, and that that must have uh, weighed heavily on you when when you were a Muslim in Iran. Yeah, uh, well, as as a as a teenager, you are very you know you're not that you you know my when I became an atheist and I became very outspoken about my atheism. I was like still very young and stupid. My parents were really worried about my safety all of a sudden. As, you know, when I first became an atheist, my parents were at first a little bit happy because I wasn't bugging them with that, my, with my uh, calls to prayer and stuff like that. But then they become more worried when they realize that I couldn't keep my mouth shut in school and everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so so they, they became very worried. And eventually when I left Iran and came to Canada, they, they, they were really happy that I wasn't there anymore. But to be fair, in Iran, like there's a lot of atheists in Iran. Um, I did, when I became an atheist in Iran, I, originally I didn't know. But the, the more I became vocal about it, the more I realized that there's a lot of other people there that think the same. Uh, the thing is that as long as you don't publish it, as long as you don't post it on the internet, um, you just you you're pretty safe if you're just talking to your friends about it. You know. Let's go back into the into the book and uh, uh, and and talk about some of the uh, some of these <clears throat> twenty arguments that you you were uh, that you've looked at. Um, I, I want to have quickly a couple of responses to one or two of them, so to give to give a, a flavor of how. The book works. Um, one of one of the uh, questions you bring up is uh, is is the 
the long-standing argument about complexity mm. and whether complexity implies design. A, a, a lot of theists think that it's impossible. You could have such a complex world. You, you know, the, the human eye could not have evolved um, without, without a creator. What, what's your response to that? Well, actually, there's a lot of responses to that. Um, there, there's a lot of flaws with that argument. But one of my favorites is that what could be more complex than God? Right. And if, you know, if God is very complex, did God have a creator? And most theists will argue, argue that God doesn't have a creator. And like, so you just agreed that something very complex cannot, ha- there's, it's possible for something very complex to not have a creator. Well, what they tend to do is they, they, they make God a special case. Don't yeah. They? Well, why? Which kind of begs the question. Yeah, well, why can the universe be the special case then? <laughs> Good question. How about philosophical proofs? There's, a, you know, Aquinas uh, with the, the five proofs, Anselm with the ontological argument. We won't go into what those arguments and proofs are, but do you not think that there are any uh, philosophical grounds on concluding that there has to be God? I mean, they, the philosophers sometimes like to talk about a, a necessary being, you know, the, 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 the entity that must exist. Uh, do, do those proofs not, uh, not impress All right, you? So, so here's the thing. You're saying the universe ha- must have a cause. Well, sure, anything has, everything has a cause. Why is that cause conscious? You know, if, if, why is that cause a god? You know, nobody's arguing that you know, something happened for no reason, but just because something must have a reason, why, why should that reason be your, um, your god? You know, so what you're saying is that when 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 the theists uh, attribute a personality and a purpose yeah. to it, they're, they're they're again begging the question. They're they're attributing something to uh, to uh, an event which does not need to have yeah. that. So, well, you either do two things, right? You're, let's 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 agree with the theists. Everything exists for a reason. All right, okay. There's a reason. How did you make that jump all of a sudden? That that the reason has to be have consciousness right um and then it's not the you they they try to make it uh seem as if we have a problem with the first step of that argument but we have the problem with the second step of that argument that that jump there's no there's no logical reasoning or evidence that they provide for that second jump and if you don't want to claim that that has conscious uh that that being has a consciousness then why are you calling it even god you're just you're just renaming uh, you know, something that we already agreed on, on, on God. If your God doesn't have consciousness, it's meaningless. You just, you just say like, you know, what, whatever the reason is for the universe, I'm going to call that God. So if your God doesn't have consciousness, that means it doesn't care about humans. It doesn't mean it doesn't answer prayers. It means it's not worthy of worship. It means that it doesn't judge people. Heaven or hell become meaningless. So your, your God is basically nothing. You know, it has, it bears no meaning. So, so, You've, you've got you've got a whole set of, uh, of well there are twenty chapters we know there are you deal with oh the the authority of scripture you, the question of morality and where of all that comes from as well. yeah. so can I ask you is is your problem with uh, with the God business is it faith or religion that troubles you most um, I personally have I mean troubles hmm. um, you know when it comes to the effects on other people, obviously religion has, is more of an issue than just believing in God, right? Because it's, it's religion that has the, the, its dogmatic teaching. So when it comes to God, it's about you as a person, not, not about what you're doing to the world. Like, so even if I, if, if, let's say I have no religion, but I still believe in God, that's, a, that's still a major 
part of my belief system, part of how I view the world. I'm, I, I still see that as somebody that has accepted a, a claim without any evidence. You know, when we allow ourselves to believe in things without evidence, we're going to treat a lot of other things like that. So this is more about not just God. This is about teaching ourselves to accept things only after we see reasoning for accepting them. God is just the best example. It's just because it's, it's so common. Like, but we should treat everything like this. We should treat homeopathy like this. We should treat um, you know, anything that we hear uh, and on social media or, or about, you know, about our politicians or about other countries. It's just that when this, this kind of skepticism and demand for evidence... I learned it from learning that, you know, there's no evidence from God. When I learned that there's no evidence for God, given that this was such an accepted claim in my community, then I became more skeptical about other claims as well. This is just a good practice to learn that you just, you just don't accept things until you see evidence for it, right? So even if you don't have any religion or if you don't believe, have the, you know, don't believe in Islam or Christianity or any religion, if you believe in God, you're still a person that has accepted the claim without seeing any uh, verifiable or testable evidence for it. You know? And I still see that as a major problem. Or as Dawkins would put it, You've still got the delusion, yeah. which it's, it's quite interesting. Right now, the row between theism and atheism is, is particularly bad tempered. I mean, there have been atheists for a long time, but it seems to me that right now mm. it's, it's a really vicious uh, struggle. And, and in particular, Richard Dawkins is the hate figure. I mean, the, the, the theists um, fairly detest Christopher Hitchens, now dead, and, and Sam Harris and all of that crowd, but they loathe and fear Dawkins. And I, I wonder why that is and, and, and why we're in this particularly uh, uh, sort of uh, scrabbly, vicious uh, period. It's really interesting why people have become so, um, you know, angered by this because they don't feel the same way about other disagreements. I mean... When we have disagreements over over like economic policies or po- you know politics or scientific issues, people just had disagree with each other and they're fine with it. You know, they just discuss their disagreement. But when 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 disagreements are about ideas that might define your identity, then people when then the disagreement becomes more than just a disagreement. It becomes it becomes an attack on who you are. And that's why it becomes harder to be able to reach out to people without offending them. Even, I mean, I try to make it as, of, as not offensive as possible, but no matter how nice you are, it's really hard for people not to get offended because they see their religion as part of their identity. It's true. Your, your book is uh, very good-natured. Why There Is No God is published by Atheist Republic. Uh, I know it's available on Amazon, because that's where I got it. And uh, people can come directly to you. You've got a, a, a website for Atheist Republic uh, where they can obtain it as well. Yes, and, and if anybody uh, that doesn't uh, lives in a country where they can't get this online, or if anybody is too young to have a credit card, or if anybody can't afford it, uh, they could also contact Atheist Republic and we'll send them a free PDF copy. Armin Navabi, thank you very much. Thank you. That was the Books Podcast with Tim Haig. The Books Podcast is produced by Green Shoot. You can find out more at www.green-shoot.com and Tim can be contacted on tim at green-shoot.com.